Welcome to Group Text, everyone. We have a topic today that I am actually fascinated by, and I hope everybody else is too. We're going to discuss ethics and the media. I have a great panel. Of course, the wonderful and amazing Sabrina Miller, who, as I say, is the functioning portion of my brain. Lucky me. Lucky you. We have Sam Rubin, an entertainment reporter and just one of the best, most honest, wonderful people in media. We have Howard Bragman, fabulous, fantastic publicist, and in full disclosure, my publicist. And he keeps me honest and he keeps everybody off my back. Let's just say it that way. And Dave Rubin, you're a television personality, you're a pundit, and your first book is about to come out. Don't burn this book and jump in for me. It is on pre sale now and it drops when? Well, that was a pretty good intro. Um, April 28th, Don't Burn This Book comes out. I don't know, can I call myself an author until April 28th? Because you know we are in the midst of this zombie apocalypse right now, and if all hell breaks loose and April 28th doesn't come around, can I put author on the resume? I'm, I'm not totally sure. Has the book shipped? It has shipped, actually. Then you're an I have, author. I have the first copies here. I'm holding one of the first copies. I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but... Uh, Literally, the, the first shipment, the first 36 books showed up at my house, and we had the boxes sitting in the, in the foyer, and I have a new dog. The day that they closed down all the shelters in L.A., um, I went because I was like, they're going to end up having to put down all these dogs, and we saved a dog who was going to be put down. The order was already signed. He had like an hour left, and he ate the box and chewed up literally the first copy of my book. So I don't know if that's a sign. We I called say, it let's, hope, let's, let's hope that's not prophetic. Yeah, exactly. From one Reuben to another, that indemnifies you from any reviews. <laughs> <laughs> now, what people might not know about you, and I found this in my research because I knew you back from The Young Turks and your TV show, you're not afraid to call out bias in what you refer to as the mainstream media. Give me an example of that. Yeah, well... I mean, the mainstream media, when you think of mainstream media, so mainstream media would be sort of ABC, CBS, NBC, that's, that's sort of mainstream corporate, you know, nightly news media. That's not really what I'm that concerned about when it comes to bias, because those guys, you know, the 630 nightly news, for whoever still watches that, it is an older section that still does watch that, they're, they're pretty good. I think mainstream media and the bias that I think you guys want to get into here that's really sort of New York Times, CNN, these things that are journalistic institutions that really at this point act much more as propaganda arms for the Democrats and more broadly for the left. Now, one of the things I want to talk about is ethical reporting, and that's what I want to talk to Sam about. Sam, you have been in the entertainment business forever, and you and I have sort of talked about this off camera. It's really hard to deal with entertainment reporting, I think, and we're gonna get back to the politics of it, when you have had terrible experiences with someone and you don't like them, but yet you have to report a positive story. Well, I mean, I, you know, there's that old adage that all of show business is just high school with money. And I, by the I way, so, is, yes. Yeah, which I think is true to a large degree. And I mean, I hope that people, or I, I'll just speak for myself, are able to set that aside on the rarest of occasions. I've had unpleasant experiences with high profile people, but that might cloud my personal judgment of them. But I hope that does not cloud my professional judgment of them. 
So, you know, it's that kind of thing. I think the reverse stands as well. Uh, and I'll give you a much lighter example. So this SNL this weekend with Tom Hanks, you know, how great it was to see Tom Hanks, how perfectly topical, how perfectly appropriate. I thought the show wasn't very good. I agree with you. But I think it got more of a pass than it would have gotten because Tom Hanks was in it. We all know, and Sam, you know, too. And Dave, you know, too, because this actually applies across the board. Well, there are people that we know have done awful, terrible things. Yet some people get a media pass. And why is that? You know, I always tell people everybody has their own DNA with the media. It's like, it's like you do a drug test and 100 people take a drug and 99 are cured and one drops dead from it. It's kind of the same way with the media. You know, for years, Bill Cosby was Teflon with the media. It obviously his Teflon coating wore out after a while, but he was and he could do no wrong. And people didn't want to believe that he was anything but America's greatest dad for a lot of years. And if somebody, you know, Tom Hanks is kind of that guy. Nobody wants to believe that Tom Hanks can do anything but wonderfulness and that he's not anything but the greatest guy in the world. So Dave, this actually brings me around to you because you started out as part of the Young Turks, which if people don't know is a very, well, how would you describe it? A very liberal media uh, group that was very out there making a lot of noise. Yeah. You then sort of backed off that and became someone who I think a lot of us are who said, wait, the left has gone too far. The right, the alt-right is too far. The alt-left is too far. And most of us live in the middle. Correct? Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair estimation. I mean, I think originally, you know, I was always what I would describe as an old school liberal. I want everyone to be treated well. I want everybody to have equal rights under the law. I don't want there to be any discrimination, certainly not any state discrimination. I don't think you can eliminate actual prejudice and bigotry from people's hearts. You can hopefully teach people not to be prejudiced, not to be bigoted, things like that. So I saw the the progressives um, as sort of liberals like on steroids, like they were always, they had righteous indignation. They were screaming all the time. Everyone that they argued was a bigot or a racist or a sellout or an Islamophobe or something like that. And that really, it can energize you for a while. And even right now, you see a lot of energy behind it with AOC and Ilan Omar and that crew. Except the thing is that beneath that very thin veneer, there's almost no truth and no ideas because it's pretty rare that all of your intellectual opponents are bigots and racists, but it's an easy label to put on somebody to silence their voice. And, and that's what I've seen the left become. So the left, the left, the JFK left, right? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That really is gone. I mean, that's like the reverse. That's the 180 reverse of what Bernie Sanders has stood for. And I think that's right, why but, good liberals have sort of woken up to this. Yeah. Right. That brings me to the questions about, about ethics. And you are very outspoken about this. And I think it's a double-edged sword for you because one of the things that you do on your show is you allow sort of an open platform. First off, I would say just for the record, I I don't consider myself a journalist and I've never considered myself a journalist. I'm an interviewer uh, amongst several other things. 
But I do think there's a difference between a journalist, I mean, someone ascertaining facts on the ground to report on them, and an interviewer who's interested in exploring what people's ideas are. Um, but I think generally the way I like to interview is, is more of an old school, what I would say is a Larry King style of interviewing, which is that you want the person to open up as much as possible. And when I started my show about five years ago as an interview show, there were so many shows, and they still are on TV now, where everyone's just combative and fighting with each other and trying to own each other and outrage and destroy everybody for the YouTube clips and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, you know what? Why don't I talk to some lefties? I'll talk to some righties. I'll talk to some people I agree with, some people I disagree with, and, and see what happens. And I think it's been, uh, it's been pretty enlightening, and it's actually what led me to write this book and, and I think have a cohesive set of views that allow me to have something to say in the world. Sam, um, what is the line? What's the difference between an interviewer and a journalist? Because a lot of people are saying that something like recently someone like Don Lemon has changed his sort of moniker to an opinion journalist, almost like an op-ed, rather than a straight up, just the facts man. I mean, you could almost do sort of a print equivalent. I think there was a time many, many years ago where there was a tremendous distinction between the New York Times, the New York Post, and the National Enquirer. Now, sadly, headlines that you would never see in you know, the New York Times occasionally appear in the New York Times because of the sort of overall coarsening of the culture. So Don Lemon, I think, is kind of a poor example because I think uh, – and again, nothing personal, but I think he's not particularly adept at what he does. But the fact that he's wearing his emotions on his sleeve uh, is, you know, kind of part and parcel of the times that we're in. One, one thing that you're finding, and I think partisanship has something to do with this, this stuff is all much more personal now. And so, you know, revealing my own bias, I'm a big MSNBC fan, but, you know, with good reason, or some might say with not good reason, you know, they all hate Trump so incredibly, <laughs> it might, you know, blind their views to everything. I don't know that there's any particular figure in entertainment at the moment who is as polarizing as some of our political figures are. But um, well, I love the fact I mean, that, that you that, refer that, to them as being an entertainment. Right. Yeah. That's part of the problem. <laughs> Right. right. Well, well, you could look at somebody like Rachel Maddow, if you like MSNBC. It's like, she's an right. actress. I mean, this is a woman who got everything wrong about the Russia hoax for a year and a half. So it's like, all right, you ran with the story because you hate Trump. Now, you may have your good reasons to hate Trump or not hate Trump or whatever it is. But it's like, now, if you just keep getting everything wrong all the time as a journalist, at what point are you no longer a journalist? Or at what point does MSNBC say, sorry, you can't have the eight o'clock slot here anymore. I mean, Brian Williams well, I, made one mistake on NBC and they relegated him to the minor leagues over at MSNBC. Well, I do think what Sam is saying though is basically the same thing is there is very much a blurring of the line between opinion journalism and straight journalism. Howard, you're trying yeah. to jump in. Yeah, and let me say something because I think I'm older than the oldest here. And when I was a kid, journalism was pretty down the middle. And if Walter Cronkite raised his eyebrow a little, we'd say, who oh, is he trying to telegraph something? Because we didn't know where Huntley Brinkley or Walter Cronkite stood politically. Now we know where every journalist stands politically. We know where their networks stand politically. And as consumers, we tend to watch things that we like, that 
mimic where we stand politically. Well, that's and what that, I say is confirmation bias. How much of a, how of much does that play? In? If you like, if you're a liberal, you don't care if Rachel Maddow is right or wrong. You like Rachel Maddow and you think she's a goddess and you're going to keep watching her. And that's part of the reason we even think different. And it's hard to persuade anyone because our brains are all wired different because we're wired into certain ways of thinking uh, about issues and about how we look at problems. And I always encourage people, right, left, or middle, to have a balanced diet. If you're on the left, watch Fox for a day or two. If you're on, you know, just look at things a little different and try and look where the other side is coming from. I don't disagree with that at all, but I think it is absolutely startling. And I think people have, you know, written articles about this. But if you watch two hours of Fox and you watch two hours of MSNBC, you know, this whole notion, oh, we're living in two different countries or two different planets. I mean, their their points of view are so completely distinct from one another, you know, focusing presumably on the same subject. It really is remarkable. So I don't disagree with that, but it is, you know, the, I, I, that Fox world can't possibly be the world that I'm living in. You know, would, would be my thought, and I watch it, and my, I just can't believe it. But and well, they might feel the same way watching, you know, something more liberal minded. Well, Dave, and this is something for you. I want because you really have branded yourself as what was it? What would your term an old school liberal? Yeah, which is as as I define it, socially uh, liberal, fiscally conservative. Right, which in most cases actually is just sort of, a, I would say, a modern libertarian. I just don't well, want the government telling me what to do. That that would be the, the basics of it. And then we can- Is that a where, Rockefeller Republican? Well, I well, call it's, it, it's, it's something I call like it, that. Or a California Republican or a country club Republican, or as I like to call it, the great purple majority. But my question is what I found fascinating, and again, your book needs to be read. When I was looking at the advance, and I found this fascinating, especially with spinning off what Sam just said. Most of the blurbs on the back are from Fox personalities. Hold on, I've got it in front of me here. Let me see. You how got many, Tucker. How you many got Fox? A, I've got, got one. I got one Fox guy, Tucker. Tucker. Uh, Larry King. He was a CNN guy. Uh, Peter Thiel, tech guy. Well, Eckhart, I, what I think of, but I think of Peter Thiel as a Fox person. Well, so you mean you mean that they lean right? Yes, I don't think that they lean. No, I mean yes, I mean that they lean right. Yeah, well, and our running I mean, joke, our running joke with Tucker is always he has what we call resting lacrosse face. Yeah, well, which, Tucker, <laughs> you know, well, what I would say about that is this: I mean, yes, most of these people, Larry King, I would say, is an old school liberal. Eckhart Tolle, I, you can't even put him on a political right. map. I mean, he's on a, on a different plane altogether. But yes, Shapiro, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Tucker Carlson, and Teal, I would say, lean right. I think what's interesting about that is these are guys that I have deep differences with. Yeah, um, that's, you know, I mean, that's debated, my point. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm married to a man. I, we've been together for 10 years. But I find people on the right willing to talk about all of these issues, and they'll still break bread with you. They'll still have drinks with you. They'll have you over their house. But what has happened on the left, and it's partly because of the hysteria that MSNBC has ratcheted up, but not just MSNBC. The New York Times, I would say, is probably the worst. They've ratcheted up such hysteria that if you pick one thing that you don't fall in that lockstep with, that progressive lockstep, and I think, Melissa, this is why you're saying you're more of an old school liberal because you do have a varied set of views, uh, they will kick you out. So the left right now is becoming an increasingly slimmer and slimmer 
uh, hysterical and I would say religious in nature operation uh, because progressivism is, is religious in nature. It's, you have to believe in this thing, uh, whether it's true or not. Well, on the right, people are willing to disagree and, you know, oh, you're, you're for smoking pot. I don't smoke pot, but you can smoke pot if you want. And let's figure out, you know, maybe we can raise some taxes off that and then put it to education and a bunch of others. I I think you're maybe giving them a little more casualness uh, than they deserve. I think I, I may have to uh, forge the first of some Reuben disagreements amongst the two of us. You know, I that, hate that, it when I'm brothers used to, fight. I'm used to Reuben disagreements. It's I okay. hate when yeah. brothers fight. Right, but but that 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 just isn't true. I mean, the yeah. the, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, the right now uh, requires a blind allegiance uh, to Trump with all his faults and foibles, and then you can talk about anything else after that. That's what I'm but saying. Is it's, 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 I mean, you're, it's, you're making it sound awful casual, like there are a bunch of guys by the pool with, you know, with beers. Um, I mean, saying, but that's yeah, just that, you know, live and let live. They, they're no, not but, the right is not a live and let live kind of group. Which brings me back to ethics. What do we do? How do we keep the media ethical? How do we get away from these highly polarizing? I hate using the word infotainment, but it's become journalism by belief rather than by fact. How do we get there? I go back to what Howard was saying. We do need to have a balance. Um, But how do we get it? Well, as an individual, first, you need to rightfully divide the truth. However, you can come to that formula because you're always gonna have sensationalists, sensationalism going on. You're always gonna have what the right wants you to believe or what the left wants you to believe. They need to be able to step back and go, wait a minute, that's bullshit. And I don't subscribe to that. That's probably the number one question I get asked, which is, well, who do you trust, Dave? How do you figure out who to trust? And I think the answer basically is, it's sort of a crappy answer, but, it's, but the only true answer is, it's actually on you. You should not trust a network just because you lean that way. The idea that you trust MSNBC or just trust Fox because it's sort of what you think is crazy. You gotta kind of find a few people that you think are ballparking to something remotely close to truth. And if an article that you read fits all of your biases perfectly, it's probably a little too good to be true. So the the unfortunate answer, because it's not sexy, is that you these days in 2020, you have to do a little more work to actually get something true than maybe you had to 20 years ago when a lot more stuff was spoon-fed to you and the Overton window of what we were allowed to talk about or think about was a little narrower. We have had a flurry of celebrities talking about conspiracy theories and 5G and all these different sort of out there thoughts. You know, we've had Woody Harrelson, John Cusack, Carrie Hilson, MIA, all these different people. And it turns out that three out of 10 people, which is 29% of Americans, according to the Pew Research poll this week, believe that COVID was made in the lab. What do we do about getting the celebrity opinion separated from fact? My first blush answer is, you know, Woody Harrelson is a fantastic actor. Is a very entertaining person, but I would not rely on Woody Harrelson 
as a good source of factual information. But people um, do. But, but see, you that, know, I, I, go back I, to what Fauci said. He said, it's a distraction. I don't give a shit that you're a celebrity. It's a distraction. Yeah, but Sabrina, you are not your typical person who follows what celebrities say. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that compliment. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so you, you, yeah, you're like, hi, maybe you should listen to the medical expert instead of, you know, Woody Harrelson or John Cusack, but that's you. Most people don't. As I'm saying, it's like, Sam, how do you report on this? What do you do? What Ethically, can you even report on that and say, well, he's thinking this, or at one point, you I mean, do you stop yourself and go, I just can't? I mean, that to me, and I'm, curious to hear Howard's remarks, that stuff is so far afield, and particularly in the circumstance we're in now, I, I, I think it's almost irresponsible to repeat it. I don't know. I think we have to look a lot deeper at who we're listening to, who we're taking advice from, who our role models are. Well, if you guys want a little silver lining to that, I mean, I would say that I think Corona has been an incredible equalizer where now we're watching all of these people in their houses, sometimes, dare I say it, without makeup, and they're just like everybody else. And I think what's going to happen is after this, when we can actually get out of our houses again and we can socialize normally and, and communicate normally and all that stuff, I think that the day of the super celebrity and, these, and the worship of all of these seriously rich people and obsession with athletes who make $25 million a year and all of these things, I think these things are going to severely severely change and i think that will ultimately be good but of course it's still on you if woody harrelson says something stupid or or john cusack says something dumb it's like don't pay attention i do have a, a final question i'd love to go around and get everybody's opinion uh sabrina i'm gonna i'm gonna start with you actually let's see okay what is the job and it's taking it back to being ethical in reporting and in the media. How would you define the job of a journalist? I feel like journalists should just go back to basics. Howard, what do you think the job of a journalist is nowadays? You know, I'm, I believe in the old days, I believe the job is to tell the story. But I also believe that since we don't have that, and I don't believe we're going back to it anytime soon, the job falls on the viewer even more. Sam Rubin, what do you think the job of a journalist is right now? I'm going to give you two answers. The, um, the job of the successful journalist nowadays is the manner, I think, in which you tell the story, because a lot of the information is the same. So are you telling the story in a particularly compelling and interesting way. And then really to echo Howard's thought, I do think people have to be better consumers of information. Day, Ruben, what do you think is the job of a journalist now? Oh, it's very simple. I mean, it's, it's the pursuit of truth. That's it. I mean, that's what you learn in Journalism 101. That's it. I love all of you so much. Howard, I love you. Sabrina, I love you. Sam, you are like, potentially the light of my life. Dave Rubin, <laughs> I would love to talk to you more. I know you and I could do some debating and uh, do me a favor, don't lose your sense of humor. I know, well, that's the plan. We'll, well see that's what the happens. plan. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>